to the Tango One Podcast. I am Tony Smith, your host, as usual. This is episode 100. 100. I am doing this one solo. I've poured myself a nice stiff Manhattan. I've got myself uh, to go with that Manhattan, some lollipop EAA. It's kind of a weird combination, but man, before we got to get going on episode 100, I got to thank all people, everybody, every single person who has listened, subscribed, shared, even if it's just one time to this podcast, I appreciate it so much. This thing started as like a passion project years ago with me and Casey Wright and uh, not years ago, two years ago now almost. Casey Wright and I started this thing during COVID. It was a means for us to kind of escape. At that point, we were doing everything on Zoom, just on a camera, him and I in here almost 16 hours a day. And Fridays became our day to sit. We, We put up a computer with a camera on it and some microphones and we started to just chat and have some drinks together. Uh, what that led to has been so many amazing guests over the, the last couple of years and 100 episodes, people from all over the world, really, thanks to technology. We've had so many people in the house. We've changed our studio a few times, and we have had a ridiculous, ridiculous amount of views. It, it's actually mind-blowing to me that this little project could reach so many people and get so much positive feedback. So thank you to every single person who's ever listened to this. Thank you to the people who have sponsored us since day one. Uh, Ian and Kara Murray, you guys have been with us since the very, very beginning of this. Uh, Murray Insurance, which is just such a staple in the Kingsville community. Garage Gym OGs, uh, they have the best service. I'm not here to actually plug them right now. I just want to thank them so, so much for supporting us. And all the other people who have sponsored us along the way, some who have come and go and some who have come back. Uh, Steve Kidd, uh, obviously HQ Nutrition. You guys have been huge in supporting me, the Garage Gym, the Tango One podcast, everything that Tango One does and represents. Thank you so much. And uh, 10,000 Clothing Company, you know, I, they, right now we have backed off. They're backed off their Canadian sales. But without you guys, man, you guys really exposed me to a lot of people and uh, so many others. Uh, Danny, Bobby Maximus, uh, Jason Gussick. So many who have supported me in all these ways to get the gym off the, the, the ground and to get everything running to where it is today, which is, you know, the garage gym being three gyms strong, a fourth on the way, Tango One Solutions. I, I'm getting booked constantly to do speaking engagements, go to businesses and talk about leadership, culture, uh, team dynamics. And it is just absolutely what I love to do. So thank you. Thank you so much to everybody. And this podcast is kind of the culmination of it all. So today, for today's episode, we want to make episode 100 just a little bit something different. I have only done in 100 episodes one, one uh, solo episode. So this is uh, something still relatively new to me. This one is going to be a Q&A. I put it up on Instagram and I got actually got like 30 questions. I narrowed it down to about five or six. We'll see how it goes. 
questions about all topics of life and uh, and and business and things like that. So let's have some fun with it and get on with this show. So first, the first uh, the first question I got. Uh, this one's a deep one, and it was uh, from an anonymous, so not not anonymous. Somebody who wants to remain anonymous. What are your thoughts on the rise in police officers being murdered in Canada? Um, one, I don't want to quote and say I know the stat is true that they're on the rise, but man, it sure seems so. In the last uh, two weeks, we've had three officers murdered in the line of duty, uh, shot South Simcoe, and then the RCMP officer just a, a couple of days ago. Uh, for me, my thoughts on this is it's it's obviously horrible. Um, being someone who's been involved in a couple of uh, officer-involved shootings, uh, where we have one lost somebody and then another one where we're, you know, we, I was right there just after to drive a guy who had been stabbed to the hospital after he had, uh, you know, defended himself and used force to take somebody's life. Uh, but my thoughts on this, um, obviously my sympathies, my condolences, but I think everybody, everybody knows that that's how I feel. And everybody, I think everybody listening, that's exactly how you feel as well. But the anger inside of me over this is, is fuming. Uh, and, it, and it's it's so much bigger than what I think is just these incidents, these these couple of shootings, uh, these loss of life. And I hope that this loss of life doesn't go without some kind of positive that comes from this. And I think it's the apathy of our society. We right now, you know, in Windsor and all over Canada, don't have enough ambulances. There are not enough ambulances because they are stuck at the hospital because of procedures because the, the hospitals are overwhelmed. This is allowing people to be, you know, the hospitals overwhelmed for all kinds of reasons, right? The medical system is failing us. You know, people are going in with mental illness, the drugs, all these things. There's nothing to do with these people as we continue to cut budgets, taking away some of the, the places that used to house these people that are in need of help, right? And then the apathy uh, to allow the laws the laws in today's day and age, one of the reasons I am no longer a police officer is because I could not be there anymore. I could not stomach letting criminals commit crimes. Right now in Canada, we have formed laws where we want police officers. We want, not that we want, you think you don't want it, but because we haven't stood up, it's, nothing is happening about it. We are allowing police officers, wanting police officers, not allowing, wanting police officers to just respond to crime after it happens. The police are different in the paramedics and, the, and then the firemen in the sense of the police are supposed to go and prevent crime, right? Firefighters aren't going around looking for fires. Sure, they're installing, you know, the smoke detectors and things for some prime fire prevention, but in the most part, they're not driving around looking for, you know, smoke billowing in the air, you know? Paramedics aren't driving around waiting for somebody, looking for somebody to have a heart attack. They are, they're responding to these, to these calls for action. The police, we're supposed to stop it. And we made the laws so that it doesn't happen. It cannot happen anymore. And if I was there and when I was there towards the end, you were not willing to do so because of the liability, because of the laws that take criminals and turn them into victims. We are allowing this to happen. And the, the thing is, nobody fucking cares Nobody cares until it's their house that's broken into, until it's their sister that's assaulted, until it's their mother's house who was burglarized, until it was somebody in their immediate network or themselves who were victimized. Then, then you want the police to be hard on crime. 
we were accepting a court system that much like the medical system, budget cuts, all these things we don't have, they're, they're inundated and they're, they're not giving out sentences. Almost every single police report that I wrote said, I encountered such and such. I encountered Bill Jones, let's say. I knew Bill Jones from many previous police encounters of a similar nature. That is the truth. We have people walking the streets free because we have a crime. We have very little crime fighting happening these days because we're more worried about liability. And we have very little in terms of punishment sentencing. So that to me is the anger, the apathy in our society to let things sit, to let these things just happen, right? We don't care that the, the you know, we see it in the news, but you don't care that the, the ambulances, that the paramedics are stuck at Hotel Dew. You see it in the news, but you don't care that there's no beds to be had at our hospitals. You see it in the news that police officers are killed, but we do not care until we're the ones who are victimized. So please, please, I push you, I beg you to do something more. You know, doing a little self-awareness workout here to, you know, to, to let it know how, how hard police officers have it. That's one thing. But if we can come together and push the people, elect the right people, get this fucking Trudeau guy out of there, right? As he continues to destroy small businesses, let interest rates fly. You know, maybe these are some of the things that we can do to take action and make a difference. So enough on that one, enough on the ranting. Let's hopefully uh, from here on out, more positive questions in this podcast. So next question is coming from another person who wishes to remain anonymous. This is a great question. I know it's part of your livelihood to remain consistent with life routines, et cetera. So you've clearly mastered this. Thank you. Uh, but have you ever found yourself in a slump where you're feeling overextended? And how do you lift yourself up to have the energy, motivation to continue pushing forward when you feel like life is pulling you in a million directions? If you don't find yourself in this situation often anymore, what's your best advice to those who are stuck in this place? Man, this is a, I think this is a common problem for so many of us. And yeah, I do find myself stuck in this or not stuck in this, but I do find myself falling into this pit quite often. Uh, recently, when I was opening, I, I said all these things happened at one time in the, in the in a little recent surge in my life, I guess. Uh, I had planned to buy a property up north with two of my best friends. I was in the middle of buying a building in Harrow uh, for the next garage and location. And uh, the, I was approached by uh, Mike Patella seeing if I wanted to take over his gym in Windsor. Uh, these things were all on my plate. The Windsor one came about, but the other two bigger projects were on my plate for months and months and months. And the deadlines were at different times. I didn't think that they would coincide or, or be a problem. And then boom, all these things, all those huge things happened in a matter of three days. Plus at the very same time, I had landed my two biggest tango one, um, uh, let's call them gigs and going into some major, major big businesses and delivering some leadership training. So all those things happened at one time. And yes, I felt completely overextended, completely worn down. And they were wearing on me in, in many different ways. Plus, I'm coaching my kids. I have my family and all the other things that all of us, so many of us do, right? And just the day-to-day -day operations of the garage. So what do I recommend and how do I get myself out of that? Is one, you have to tighten it up. You have to start saying no to things. And that includes your children. You know, so many people, we believe that saying no to our kids is a bad thing. I want my kids to have all the things that I didn't have. You know what? I want my kids to have a lot of things too, but I also want them to have parents and family time. So yes, my kids want to do a lot of things. 
But no, we're not doing all of the things so that we can spend more time together, together, not in, in a busy place, not maybe at another practice or another, uh, you know, another different sport or another different thing that they want to do because everybody else is doing it. That's one of the things to so start to say no. Another big one for me is when I start to feel overwhelmed is to get very, very strict with my routine and my schedule is making sure that the night before I am laying on my day, I'm getting up earlier than everybody else so I can get things accomplished when everybody's asleep, including my own health and, and, and the rest of the world. But really being like, like absolute protector of my time and absolute laser focused on tasks that I have delegated myself to do. So I will, I will like literally schedule every single minute of my next day. Yes, I'll have some free time in that day where, where things will, will move around. But I need to, the more routine I create, the more freedom I have. Routine and, you know, and discipline create freedom. You know, routine equals freedom. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. And the more strict, the more uh, dynamic you are with that, with those choices and how you're going to delegate your time and who is going to get your time is the absolute king. Your time, your time, your presence is your greatest gift to this world. So your time that you give to anybody is the greatest gift. It is how much is that worth to you? That is the greatest gift you can give anybody. So be very, treat it as such a precious gift. And I think we don't, we don't say no to people. We go to everything, we do everything. You know, we get invited to this and to that. And we go in so many different directions. It is time to say no. The busier you are, the more things you're gonna have to turn down so that you can take those big items and knock them off while leaving those important, important relationships to you. Remember, there was one whole episode about this. One of my favorite episodes, one of my favorite sayings is, who is in your kitchen? right? We all in my house, the way I see it, this, this metaphor is anybody's allowed on my property, as long as you're not a dick. So if you're a dick, you're an asshole, get off my property, you're not allowed there. Criminals, not allowed there. Another smaller group of people, much smaller group of people are allowed actually in my house, in my living room, right? Come on over, watch some football, come by for a drink. That's another smaller amount of people. The next cut down is how many are allowed in my kitchen. And who's allowed in my kitchen kind of goes to me by, for the most part, who will be carrying my casket? Who are the people who are going to be at my bedside or out in the hallway when I'm in my last moments? Those are the people that I want in my kitchen. I want to make sure that those people are always important to me. The reason I say kitchen, you know, the food has always been an important part of my family. My upbringing was having big family dinners and my family and my extended family, those are the people allowed in my kitchen, my extended family being my, uh, my best buddies. I have a really, really tight crew of friends and those are the people allowed in my kitchen. Then who's allowed in your bedroom? Obviously that's an even smaller list, right? So it's probably time to start kicking some people out of your kitchen into your living room, probably some time to kicking some people out of your living room out in the yard. And then there's a lot of people who need to get kicked out of your yard. So I hope that answers that question, build a routine, stay strict to it, and you will find yourself some freedom. All right. Next question. How do you cope with the evolution of your business and brand, especially when some people expect the same thing continually? And does that align with your mission? Well, this is a good one because this is something I run into constantly. So this one comes from Liz Scott. Uh, Liz is always a great listener. And Liz, I am going to hook you up with a t-shirt because you're always giving me such great questions. and You always listen to every episode. I appreciate it so much. 
Let me take a sip. Cheers, Liz. Cheers to 100. Okay, so how do I cope with the evolution of my business or how do I handle the evolution of my business knowing that some people want the garage gym to ever be the same? So that is a challenge. So this is a multi-layered question. I actually had a, uh, I was on a coaching call with one of my clients the other day and, and he was talking to me about, you know, getting the gears from uh, people at his work because the more that he delegates out, the less he sees the people on the floor as he's in a leadership position and you just, you can't be everywhere. And, and now as we have three gyms soon to have four gyms, I cannot be everywhere. And one of the things, you know, you will get the guilt trip questions. You will get the guilt trip like, hey, oh, I haven't seen you around. Didn't know you still work here. That was the question that I, he got from him. And the way I handle this, one of the ways is I stay positive is when people say to me like, hey, I didn't know you still own this place. Or, oh, I didn't think you still worked out here. You know what? All I say is, listen, yeah, I've been around. I, I know I haven't seen you in a while, but it is so great to see you. I take that negative and immediately throw it back with a positive. So that's one of the ways that I stay in the right headspace because they're right. I have not been around. They were used to having me around here more. Hire great people. You know, I've hired so many great people to replace me on the floor so that I can build something a little bit bigger for my family. My family also being that extended employees uh, and the extra services we're now able to add to the garage and family with so many people actually using the garage gym army that from Amherstburg, from Kingsville that are using our Windsor location because it's more convenient for them for work a couple of days a week at no extra charge. One of the only places to do that. Okay. But that's how we, we kind of handle it. Then as we have evolutionized how we work out, how we train, how we're doing the, the six week transformation, man, people do not like change. People get very, very comfortable. But my mission, my mission, the mission of the garage gym is to make an impact to create, to get, make people better every single day. I cannot make people better every single day if I allow them to stay comfortable. So to me, how I justify it, how I explain it is exactly that. If I allow the people that come to the garage gym to train in the same manner, the same intensity, in the same style forever and ever, all I'm giving them is comfort. And once people come in these doors, you know, yeah, 90 days, a year, whatever it is for people that really get comfortable being in here, because some people come right off the couch. I need to take that away. So I'm constantly evaluating the membership, 250 people with 300 people deep that we are now. And I'm looking at that 50th percentile. How can I pull up the 50th percentile? And how can I keep progressing the people that are in that 90th percentile, the people that have really been here a while that really get after it all the time? And that's ways that we're always trying to make things a little bit better. The six-week transformation, I, it's been a sticking point with a lot of people that we did not give them macros. We did not say, hey, eat 150 grams of protein. Okay, we did not say that. We did not say eat this many, you know, scoops of, or uh, this many pieces of lettuce. Like we tell, we, this time, divvied it out in cups. Why do we divvy it out in cups? Because I firmly believe that measuring your food every single day is borderline disorder. If every single day you're spending 15 to 20 minutes to measure your food and to place it on a scale and enter it into your uh, MyFitnessPal or whatever tracking device you have, that is a borderline disorder. And I'm not okay with that. What do I want people to do? I want people to have a very healthy relationship. So if you're somebody with food, with fitness, so if you're somebody who is out there and 
you know, you have a very specific goal that you need to get on a stage and in a bikini, well, that's a little bit different. But people who come here for the most part are coming here because they want to feel better, look better and perform better. And that for me is a long-term goal. So if we can now, what else are we going to do with that? We're also going to get buy you back some time. So if you just spent 10 minutes a day food, you know, measuring your food, and now I can save you a step by just having you scoop some ground beef out in a cup, and you know you have to have three cups, I saved you, you know, maybe eight minutes, maybe nine minutes in a day. And if we can save nine minutes every day, that's 45 minutes every five days. You know, that adds up and time is, you know, time is the, the non-renewable resource. Time is everything. Time goes back to that last question that I answered. If we can buy back our time by creating more time and creating a greater sustainability with lower stress, when things like we talked about in our last question come about, you are going to be able to stay dialed in because you've built a simple, effective routine. So for me, my mission is to improve people. So how do I deal with people not being happy that I'm making evolutions? It's just that because I know the reason people are not happy is because I am making them uncomfortable. By making them uncomfortable, I am achieving my mission. Case closed. Next question up. Uh, I'm going to get another one from Liz because and Liz is always on the damn dick. Di Liz wishes this was called the Mrs. Smith podcast, actually. 100 episodes of the Tango One episode, and she wants everyone to have Mrs. Smith on it. Um, speaking of who are some of my best guests, that's when I, or my best repeat guests. There's been so many of them, repeat guests. Uh, Danny is one of the funnest ones. She comes on with me, and she is a great person to add. When we, we do One of my favorite podcasts we did was when Danny and I brought in uh, and sat with Dell. Like Dell, who's running for council. It was just a great podcast. She always brings that extra dynamic. There's only been a few we've done one-on-one -on -one together, but the, the times that we do group podcasts and Danny's involved, those are some of my funniest and, and favorite episodes. Obviously, level 10. Corey's been on here a ton of times. I love having that guy on. He just brings so much energy and in-depth. And he is like, that guy is a sponge looking to learn at all times of all people, whether it's me, uh, the, the person who just walked in off the street into the gym or one of the guests on the podcast, Corey is there to learn and to offer, you know, great, solid advice. Love having that guy on. Obviously, Jimmy Mack. If you guys have not listened to an episode with Jimmy Mack, this guy is one of the greatest speakers ever and now is finally getting recognized as such. He didn't even know he had it until he went uh, and started doing some speeches across stateside. And now he is absolutely killing it. I love to hear things like that and to know people are succeeding. Watching our guests, uh, you know, go and chase after their dreams has always been, you know, one of the one of the bigger motivators of this podcast. And of course, uh, Mike D, Mike DeFazio on here all the time. Him and I are about to have dinner together. I'm going to get him back on this podcast in a very, very short time. So, you know, my favorite repeat customers, uh, those are them. I love having those guys on here and look forward to having them on here again. So in the new time soon. So back to Liz's question. So she says, tell me an awesome story about your badass wife. All right. So <laughs> we'll start. Where do we start? This is all I've been married 10 years. We were probably together for two years, three years before that. So before she had met all my buddies, so my, like you guys have heard me say, I have traveled and kind of backpacked and hiked all over the place. I'm not talking like European, like vacation type backpacking. I'm talking about backpacking into the, um, into the backcountry, into some of the most rugged terrain that uh, North, South, Central America have to offer. So one of my, it's one of my passions. And my buddies and I have been doing these trips to Algonquin and Quetico and 
you know, Killarney and all these places for years and years. Uh, once my budget got a little bit bigger, as I, as I moved up to the police first, I started doing you know, South America with Danny, actually. But Danny's first trip with me, uh, hilarious enough, was to Panama. And I walk into her house and she's got all this, her stuff laid out. And I hold up this little tiny bag, like probably half the size of a pillowcase. And I said, all your clothes need to fit in here. And it's a compression sack for people to know. So she's like, she's got her hair straightener, her blow dryer. She leaves all this stuff behind. And, you know, we head into South America, stay in hostels, backpack through the rainforest, do all these wild things. But the most badass thing is Danny that I, that I remember Danny and the, and the biggest badass impression she made was upon my friends. So the first time really Danny met and spent any significant amount of time with my friends, we were heading to Algonquin. So we head out on a canoe trip. So we head up the night before, the day before, and get to Huntsville, a beautiful place. Um, it's a sunny day, and Danny and I and a couple of my friends and start getting into drinks. We end up going all night until about one in the morning, two in the morning, and we're leaving on this canoe trip, this rugged canoe trip where we're portaging and carrying our canoes. We don't have a guide. We are our own guides heading out into the wilderness for four or five days. So first thing in the morning, we get up, we jump on these canoes. And we're paddling and Danny, like on the car ride to the canoes, had to get out of the car and puke. Never once complains because she's, you know, hung over from the night before. Then gets in this canoe and we start going. And the guys, we're really like picky on who we bring with us because we've had some bad experiences bringing people in the woods. And it pours rain. It absolutely poured rain for four days in a row. Uh, Danny did not give one complaint not one complaint to anybody, uh, carried her own weight, was out there chopping wood with us, uh, getting firewood. What you know, guys, anybody who's been out in the woods and you know that you're not near a car, you're not near any kind of services, you got no showers, you know, anything, you need to keep that fire going when it's cold and it's wet. And we worked our asses off for four days in a row. And I remember one of my buddies saying like, man, this girl rocks. And, uh, you know, from that point on, she has just never stopped being a badass. And she is the first person to, you know, to give me that look of like, hey, you know, stop being a baby is <laughs> kind of the look she gives her. Or when things get riled up, or like I described, you know, that that situation I had about a month ago, when we had three, four or five different huge things going on one time. She's the person who's always got that even keel. That's why I really think that when you're mixing, when you're talking about relationships or, or two leaders, I always thought that uh, on the SWAT team, we had two different leaders, having those people being a little bit two different styles of leadership and two different heads and, and, and two different like um, styles of reaction and, and action. It, it is the great way to run something. And I'm so happy that I do run this garage and business and our family uh, together. Uh Speaking of Danny, she sent in this question. This is this is one that's a little bit, uh, you know, touchy because we had we had a situation happen with a friend of mine um, who posted a video and it said some words. But at the end of the day, uh, Danny wants to know what my opinion is on raising uh, children. Are we are we raising our children to be, uh, you know, to be hard asses, let's say, or motherfuckers, or are we raising our children to be, you know, sheep? And, and to me, you know, or, you know, what's that common or is the on Netflix that that shows snowflakes, right? Are we, you know, and I'm not talking about anybody else's kids right now. I am talking about my kids and what I believe. And then I am going to say what I'm seeing out there. Um, we just had somebody apply. And I hope this guy's fucking listening. We just had somebody apply to this gym. 
young person says he's in great need of mentorship and really wants to get into the fitness industry, but only wants, doesn't want to work earlier than eight and doesn't want to work later than five. This is exactly what I'm talking about. I think we are teaching our children and not us, maybe so much as you and your actions and maybe social media, maybe the things we're seeing from influencers is that like, you know, like, hey, you don't have to put your nose to the grind. You don't have to work hard. Don't do anything you don't want to do. Don't do anything that sucks. That's bullshit, man. We are raising people. We're setting people up for failure. We are setting people up for failure. That's what we are raising our children to do. You know, if we're, we're showing them that you don't grind, that you don't have to hustle, that you don't have to lose sleep, that you don't have to do the shitty jobs. That is how you start. That is how you can build a great foundation is working your absolute ass off. And when we started this gym, you know, I, I was telling a funny story because the, the furnace was broken in, in Kingsville and I had to go put this big old uh, parka on that I had in the back. And the funny thing is about that parka is I remember I would work until 3, 3.30 in the morning at the police station, drive to Kingsville, bundle up in that parka, lay in an ab mat and open the gym for 6 a.m. Teach a class, lay back down, teach another class at 9 a.m., drive home, spend some time with my, you know, baby boys at that time, a little bit of time with Danny, get everything going, pack my lunch and go back to work all night long and then do that three days in a row. And yet that doesn't, that's not how I'd want to live my whole life. However, knowing that you have to bust your ass to get to where you want to go and that you have to be willing to do things that especially now, which is awesome, which is why it's so great to have people who are around like that guy I'm talking about, because it leaves room for people like me, people like my sons, people like the people that listen to this podcast for us to succeed because we're willing to put in the work. We're willing to put in the work that other people will not do. And that will elevate you. And that will get you to the point where now you can start to delegate things. Now you can start to, you know, next week I'm heading out to, to the cottage for a week with my sons. You know, that's where you can get yourself into the positions where you can take a little bit of time off, where you can delegate some work. We don't have to be exhausted and grinding. But I really think that to learn how to work and to not be given things, you know, to not just be, hey, you know, you don't have to work because you want to, you don't want to play sports. You know, you don't have to have a part-time job. You don't have to clean up your dishes. You don't have to do this if you don't want to do this. No, there are things at my house you have to do. There are shitty things you have to do. And there were shitty things when I was growing up that I had to do. And I really think that helps you to be a better, more resilient person. Better, more resilient person. Instead of giving everything and being given everything. You know, walking and getting a, you know, a thousand dollar cell phone when you're, when you're in grade six. You know, that to me, this is, this is, we're going too far, man. We are going too far with this stuff. Make things earn, make them work. Make them do these great things that you did, shit things that will make you great. What would you tell? This is a question from Christy Melko. What would you tell 20-year-old Tony? So this is a good one because I, I was talking to somebody about this. And what would I tell 20-year-old Tony? It, it, so I really would tell where I think, I think I lived pretty good. You know, I think I, I worked pretty hard. I had a lot of fun. I got a lot of experiences. So you know, it's not travel more. It's not do more things. I really did tons of things. What I would tell 20 year old Tony is in terms of real estate, uh, not in real estate, actually, that's where I'm going to go with this. In terms of finances, money, 
to think bigger and to think longer term and to look outside the box. You know, when I was in my 20s, I was greatly influenced by a lot of police officers. And in a, don't take this the wrong way, guys. I was greatly influenced in the right ways for a lot of things. Work ethic, how to, you know, how to smell out crime, like how to do great things, how to stay alive in so many different how leadership, team dynamics, culture. All that came from the police department. But I think where I got stuck in the police department was sitting in the police cars, talking money with people who were making the same amount of money as me. So if you want to live differently, then, you know, if, if you want to live in a, dip, in a bigger house, for example, talking money and investments with the people who live in the same size house probably isn't going to get you a bigger house, right? Doing the things the same way that everybody else in your subdivision does to raise money won't necessarily get you the next house. And that, you know, obviously you could break that down and, and call that lie. But you see what I'm saying is like, me bench pressing with a guy who's got the same bench press as me is probably not going to get me up to the next level of bench press. Same idea. So sitting in those cruisers, learning finances and learning, you know, the way that these guys are doing things with their money was probably not the best way for me to, to get involved in it and to try to, to raise my wealth, for lack of a better word, right? You know, investing into the simple low RSPs, and knowing that I had a good pension on the other end. Um, chickening out on taking some of that money, pulling it from my house and buying a property. The properties that I had were actually by accident. The property I had was because the market was low. And uh, I just thought like, hey, I'm going to lose a ton of money on this. And I couldn't have, you know, so I ended up renting out my house, which is one of the best decisions I ever made. Now I should have gone in a different direction. Some cops did, some cops did, not all. Some cops did take those chances. I wish I would have taken more chances and gone... When everybody was turning left, I should have turned right. Because when you're talking the 90% are doing one thing, the 90% are going to stay the same. Those 10%, you know, uh, in that 10%, they're going to change. Some for the worst, but a lot of them for the best. And in educating myself, I would have told 20-year-old Tony to actually educate himself in other ways of building wealth. And I am really... Anybody who knows me knows I have zero interest in being rich or wealthy. Okay. Do I, will I say no to it? Absolutely not. Right. But what wealth for me does wealth for me, why that is a, you know, something I'm, I'm concerned with is for legacy, you know, for my children, as I just talked about not giving them everything, but I do want to, to leave something uh, to them, or actually I want to give them something while I can watch them actually enjoy it. I don't want to leave it to them when I'm dead. I want to give them some things so that they can do some things now with it, okay? But the reason I would say that is because wealth can give you time. You know, it doesn't give you happiness, but if you can have more time, I believe you can have more happiness. And happiness, I've said this before in the podcast, to me, happiness is not joy. Happiness is peace and peace is presence. All right, so if I can have more time, I can have more peace. If I can have more peace, I will be more present. I will enjoy those moments with the people in my kitchen, the people in my living room for much, much more. And that's why I would tell 20-year-old Tony is to really focus on long-term sustainable wealth in another avenue outside of your main job. Sure, I still have some very traditional investments, but also getting outside of that and finding different ways to build things a little bit faster rather than a one to 2% rate, 
right? Find some things, take some chances and put yourself out there, get educated on them. Because when you're young, you think you have no time. 20 year old Tony, 25 year old Tony, he thought he, he had no time at all. I thought he was busy. Man, you had so much time and so much time to read, so much time to listen to things. I know the, like podcasts, uh, investment, audio books, so much time where I could have learned so much more that would benefit me now. The things I've learned, I've learned more in the last five years since becoming an entrepreneur about other things people were doing in the world to make money than I knew in all of my years in, in policing. And that is, you know, to my own, to my own detriment. So I say, get outside of your network. Don't just rely on the person next to you doing the very same thing to figure out how you can make your life more comfortable. So that is roughly it. That is that's actually all it. I have a couple other uh, things that people shot out to me. Uh, they ended up being close to the same questions. Anyways, that is it. And I really, really appreciate you guys. I appreciate your support. I appreciate everybody who's ever been on this podcast, support this podcast. Thank you very much. Go to HQ Nutrition, order up some focus so you can also do a solo podcast. And I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Thank you for episode 100. Cheers and over and out. Now's the time to do more and be more. 